Well, normally, normally at this time, uh, I, I would start preaching. Uh, and we just started a brand new series of messages from 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. Most people think of that as the love chapter, and that's exactly what it is. You know, we a lot of people use that, read it, or set it to music for anniversaries and weddings and things of that nature. But so much hinges on us loving one another that uh, we're going to be there for probably 14 or 15 weeks. We talked about the prominence of love last week, covered the first three verses, and then the next message is going to, we're going to have a look at a picture of love, and it's actually a picture album, and it takes us about 10 weeks to get through uh, that at least that many weeks and then we'll consider the preeminence of love after that but I'm saying all of that to say this uh, that's not the plan tonight so uh, we've got other things and we're going to to uh, uh, get away from our regular plan and do something different one of our young people here one of our young ladies Taryn Lawson uh, went with the with the group brother Larry Jones and the group down to Amazing Grace Children's Home in uh, in in Mexico and uh, naturally everybody uh, wants to know about that uh, Taryn came back she is fired up and excited and already talking about going back again next year and uh, uh, that'd be a great idea for anyone to go y'all didn't know that mom and dad <laughs> I let the cat out of the bag, but uh, but anyway, I asked Taryn if she would uh, share with us, and and uh, she's a photographer also, by the way. So I, I imagine she took more than a few pictures. She's going to show some pictures. She's going to talk about uh, her experience there, and then right after that, Brother Larry Jones, uh, and he needs no introduction here, of course, but Brother Larry's going to come and. He's going to share with us about that. Taryn, come on up. You ready? She's scared to death, so y'all pray for her, and uh, but she's going to do fine. You got this. Okay. Okay. Can everybody hear me all right? Okay. Well, first of all, I want to thank everybody for um, letting me go, all the donations and the tremendous amount of prayers were just such a blessing and really helped me out. Um, most of y'all know I was really super nervous about going. I was almost in tears and so nervous, you know, driving to um, the airport. I was um, I was so nervous about who I was going to meet because I don't know anybody. I the only person I knew was Brother Larry, and that was it. I didn't know anybody else, and. Um, I was scared about what friends I'm going to make. Like, I was I was worried about my clothes. I was worried about what I was going to bring and wear, which I don't know why I was worried about that. That was, it was no big deal. But um, as soon as I got to the airport, I was still pretty nervous. I was kind of hiding it. Um, being with Miss Ann and Brother Frank, um, they really helped me out. They're really funny. <laughs> um... <laughs> Whenever we were on the plane and we were coming we were coming into Mexico there was a lot there was a lot of clouds and one thing I can remember is I just could not wait for those clouds to break so I could just see it and finally whenever clouds started breaking I just 
I got overwhelmed with just so much peace. And there was no nerves at all, and I was just so excited. I could not wait to go explore and go see everything, and it was just so beautiful. All the houses were just so colorful, and um, I just couldn't wait. And all the mountains, you know, we don't see that here, mountains. <laughs> um, so the, that whole day was, was really good. We got to explore because we... Um, drove back to the, we drove to the home, and I got to see just, everything is just so different there. The homes, I mean, they're not fully sheltered. Not all the homes are fully sheltered, and it was just so much different, and I just, I found so much beauty in it, because they, they were all colorful. You know, (laughs) there's so much poverty, but their houses are colorful, and it was just, it was just pretty. I just loved it. I loved being there. When we got to the home, we were um, we were blessed with a couple songs. Um, I didn't know anybody, but every the rest of the group um, they they knew all the kids, so they went they went to go say hi to all the kids. But I didn't know them, so I just felt awkward just sitting there. Um, but but day two day two we got to hear um, he was he's 15 Emiliano's testimony and. Um, it was, it was really empowering because he's 15, he's younger than I am, and he's gone through so much through his life, and yet he gave his life to God, and he, um, he plans on being, um, a doctor and going to Africa. He lives in Mexico, he has, I mean, he doesn't have much, and yet he's willing to go all the way to Africa and help kids who don't have much either. And I just thought that was really cool. Um, Then we spent the day, we spent the day touring Mexico City, getting ourselves outside of America into the history of Mexico, and I just fell more and more in love with it. Um, The third day, I finally got to get close with the kids. We went to, um, we went to a park and we we went on this dinosaur tour, and it was it was just it was a boat ride. Um, I couldn't understand the person who was the tourist that was speaking, but the kids just had a blast, and it was so cool because these dinosaurs you can tell they're fake, you know you can tell that they're not really up to date and everything, but the kids just. They loved it. They were so interested in these dinosaurs. And I just th- I thought that was cool. And then we went ziplining and then the safari. The safari was the coolest thing I've seen. I went, I've been on a safari before whenever I went to Disney World and it was nothing like this. We were on this, we were on this, this truck and the animals are just, the animals are just, out and about, roaming around, and they just come up to the truck, and you feed them out of your hand. And we got to feed the giraffes out of our hand. You know, at this at our zoo, we have to pay for that. But <laughs> this was just you—you you get in the car, and you just you see so many different animals. And the kids just oh, they loved it. But we had to be careful with the ostriches because they actually took—they <laughs> took one of the one somebody's cup, and they're pretty dangerous. Um, whenever we got back on the, whenever we got back on the bus ride, 
the kids were out in five minutes. It was so cool. I made friends with, um, I made friends with, uh, he's 13. His name's Jose David. And he helped me out a lot because um, I was sitting, I was sitting with him and I was sitting with another little boy. His name's Danielle. Um, and he's five and he doesn't speak any English, but Jose David helped me out and helped me understand what, what Danielle was saying to me. Um, day four, we, oh, we had, we, um, we had Irvin's testimony and he's 12 years old. I'm not going to go into any detail, but him and his brother are in the home, his brother Diego are in the home. Um, but pray for his sister, his sister, um, Lizette, I think that's her name. She's still, she's still with his parents. And whenever he was sharing that, that's whenever he got emotional. So you could tell he's hurting from that. Um, but then we spent the day at a local park, just having fun with the kids. We, we swang, we, um, rode on, got on the slides and played dump rope. Um, that was fun. Just, we just enjoyed time together. One of the little girls, Rosario, she's six. And I was taking pictures of her on the swing and nobody, nobody else was around and she ended up falling backwards off the swing. Nobody else saw and she just hit her back. And so because I was the only one that was there, um, I comforted her and her and I got really close from that. So she followed me around everywhere after that. And then this sweet, this sweet girl, Dulce, she's two years old. She, um, her and her two sisters came two weeks before, before we got there. And Dulce is the sweetest little girl. She's so smart too. She was, she was grabbing my necklaces the entire time I was there. She would grab my necklace and she would grab my rings and my bracelets and stuff. And I didn't expect to get it back. She's a two-year-old. I didn't care. Um, but at the end of the week, I ended up getting all my stuff back. She just gave it back to me. <laughs> so that was, that was really sweet of her. Um, one of the things that I did see a lot of is there's so much self-sacrificial love. Um, after we went to the local park, we had, um, we had, we had service. We had at the church, and one of the local, one of the members of that church, sweet old lady. I, I don't, I don't know her name, but she has two sons. One of the sons, he's um, disturbed a little bit, and so I never understood. But he was, he was telling me, but he was still so sweet. He was, he was so cute. But then the other one, he noticed that whenever we were singing the hymnals, because they're all in Spanish, he noticed that I couldn't sing them because they're in Spanish. So he ended up coming next to me, sitting next to me, and um, letting me read off of his hymnal, and that was that was really sweet. But then I heard a story of Miss Janet, another woman we went with, that was that was with us. Um, she. She told this woman she liked her scarf at the beginning of the service. And at the end of the service, whenever she was going to say bye, the woman handed her, her scarf off to her. 
and just said, we're sisters in Christ. And it was so, it was so sweet and it was just so, so much self-sacrifice there. There's so much love and they don't really even know us. I mean, we come, we come from America. We have, we have everything just handed to us and they don't have a lot. And yet they're so willing to just, just give just because they're, they just, they love. And it was just really cool. On day five, we had Lucero's testimony. Definitely not going to go into details about her. Um, she's 20 years old. She's one year older than me. And her testimony was so hard. Um, I, <laughs> I cried so long after she shared her testimony because of the things that she went through. And um, here I am, here I am, this 19-year-old girl that, that I complain about drama and I complain about, you know, um, friendships with people. And yet her life, um, her life has been nothing but hardships. And she didn't come to the home until she was 16. So she, her whole life, she went through a lot of a lot of stuff and it was just really heartbreaking so i after her testimony i just went to my room and i cried until it was time to go um her testimony was was something that something that i won't forget and she's a beautiful she's a beautiful girl and she um she's forgiven and she's learning forgiveness, and they all are. They're all learning forgiveness, and they're all giving their lives to the Lord. And um, it's just, it's really cool. Um, let's see. The next day, we we went to the zoo, and the zoo, <laughs> the zoo was kind of crazy. We didn't have all the kids with this. It was just a couple of them that that were doing good in school. And it was, it was fun. It was pretty cool. But it was crazy because that's the first time I ever experienced you had to pay to go to the bathroom. And it was, it was crazy. It was crazy to, to pay. I've never seen that. <laughs> um, and the, the kids, they loved it. I actually, Got that day, I got close with this little boy. His name's Edson. He's 11 years old. And on the way to the zoo, um, I used Google Translate to talk to him because I can't understand him. He can't understand me. So I got to talk to him a little bit. He said his birthday is April 11th. And he said that he said that he was saved sometime in September of last year. Um, and he's just the sweetest little boy. He's, he's, he's one of those 11 year olds that don't smile a lot. He doesn't, he's very, he's got this stern look a lot of the time, but whenever he does smile, it just melts your heart. And him and I, he, he got really close to me. And the day that we had to say goodbye, Edson, um, 
he he clung on to me and he was crying and because I was crying I think that that made him cry and that made me cry even harder <laughs> but I don't from what I understand he wasn't there last year whenever y'all went and so he doesn't he doesn't have that experience in knowing that we're going to be back. And so that was, that, that was heartbreaking. And I just kept telling him over and over again that I'm going to be back. I'm going to be back. Don't worry. But that was really hard. Having to leave him. Sorry. Um, this was definitely one of the best experiences I've ever had. It was such a blessing. And I think, I thank you all for helping me and praying for me. Um, the day, the day before I left, that Sunday before I left, the girls had a little prayer circle for me um, in the choir room, and that it's I, that was that was big. And I'm just, I'm so grateful for the people, y'all, you guys. I'm so grateful for y'all. Um, there was nothing to be nervous about. I shouldn't have been nervous about um, what people I'm going to meet, my clothes. Um, but I'm, I'm, I can't wait to go back. It's been two weeks and my heart is still over there. I still think about them every day. Um, I try to post pictures every day just so that I don't forget because I don't want to forget. And I don't, I don't, I won't, but I just don't want to forget how I felt whenever I was there and how I'm just so thankful for the Lord letting me go and taking me there.
And as I've often said, you know, when we think about teaching these young people what the what the, <laughs> um, I, I, I'm going to get down just a minute. <laughs> you know, Brother Larry's going to go. Where was I at? It's not just about what we do here. It's about God's work everywhere, His His kingdom. And we, we've got to keep that in mind. And I often say, in regards to our young people, whether they're you know, whether in the first grade or the tenth grade or just graduated from high school or whatever, it's not just about learning. Learning is important, but if we don't learn to serve, we haven't really learned anything. If we don't put it in practice, so it's good, it's thrilling to see some of our young people, you know, being excited about doing something for the Lord. And so, Taryn, we thank you for that. We thank Brother Larry and all of those associated with the uh, with the home there. I'm going to ask Larry to come, and he's going to tell you about, uh, I don't know, Eli would have preached an hour. I don't know what he's going to do, but uh, that'd be all right, too. Uh, and uh, he's going to share with you about next year. And uh, might, who knows, there might, might be a bunch of others that, that want to go. Well, Larry, come on. Steal away. That was the song. And steal away. Isn't that what you and Danny used to yeah, steal away? Yeah, he was a teenager was a back Miss, then. That was a Mrs. Tavis song. <laughs> yeah, Blank yeah Tavis. steal away. That's it. Yeah. All right. I wish I had that. The the music to that. I was. Aren't these pictures just beautiful? Kids are beautiful. Amen. One of the things. I mean. James 127, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. I mean, Taryn had the experience of seeing these kids that without Amazing Grace Children's Home, um, they wouldn't have the hope that Jesus Christ brings to them. And... Um, the opportunity to have a, a home of love and care that Amazing Grace Children's Home offers them. People, people ask what we do on the trip. We, we try to lift the burdens of the children for, um, for a week. We spoil them. We, I'm serious. We do. We try, to, we try to spoil them every way we can. We take them uh, to see the giraffes and the evil ostriches that she talked about there. If you go with us, you'll understand. Watch the ostriches. Um, but, but we try to lift their burdens. And one of the things that Taryn talked about was the testimonies. Every morning uh, when we're able to, in the, in the time, we start with a testimony of one of the children. And they trust us with themselves. I mean, they, say, they tell us some things about their lives. Taryn was saying that she didn't even want to go into that will just uh, wrench your heart out of your chest. I mean, these kids are in the home because they don't have a home. And the reason they don't have a home generally is either they were taken from the home they were in by the authorities or they, um, uh, they may be orphans, double orphans or single orphans. Um, they don't have a place, so we provide a place for them. And they're kids with hearts and minds just like uh, your kids here but they've been through terrible hardship. So we listen to their stories in the morning and then the rest of the day. Of course, we don't spend every day with the kids because, you know, this is, 
This is their home. It is a huge home. We have between 40 and 50 kids, so a lot of stuff going on all the time. And so we work out the schedule where we go do some tourista stuff while they do their chores and get ready for the next day. And, and uh, then we just we, we take them places. Uh, for, as a grandparent, I do what grandparents do. We spoil the kids. I mean, I got, I got uh, seven grandkids, number eight's on the way. I just can't wait to spoil number eight. I mean, it's just what we do. And, and we try to lift their spirits, let them know that we love them, and it's, a, it's just a great week. We've got, I've got the experts with me tonight. Uh, Carol, my wife, is here. It's the first opportunity she's had to be here with me. So if you have questions about this trip, she's the expert. She does the planning. She, she runs the show. When I'm there, she's my boss, and um, she, she does. She plans it. If, you want, if you're interested at all in going with us, I mean, you, you figure this from Houston. It's a, what, two-and-a-half-hour flight into another world. It'll change your life. And you give this week of time. Our capacity is, uh, what, 44, 40-something. 40, 40 uh, so you can give her your email address at 42. She's telling me two, 42. Give her your email address, and she'll put you on the list so you'll know when we come up with the dates. Uh, we work out this summer, this coming summer, with our church's calendar, Rogers Baptist Church, and we'll give you the dates. She'll keep you all posted on that. Frank and Ann Shepley are here with us, too. We came to support Taryn in uh, sharing her experience with you. But Frank and Ann Shepley have been with us. I mean, they're hard workers. They love the home. They love the kids. Been with us on just every trip we've been to uh, down to Amazing Grace Children's Home. So great opportunity for you to go meet the kids, um, know what God is doing, see what God is actually doing in this, uh, in this present world. So be sure and let her know. We'd love for all of you who can to go with us this uh, coming summer. Summer's about over, isn't it? I mean, we're moving into fall here, so it'll be here before you know it. I, I rarely have a pastor say, he might preach for an hour. That's okay. Y'all aren't laughing very much about that. <laughs> I, I actually, it's, it's even worse than that. You get a preacher up here who wasn't prepared to preach, and you're in trouble, especially somebody whose heart's as full as, as mine is, and I'm not, I'm not here to preach, um, but to enhance what God is doing. I, I do this all the time now. I've been a pastor for 35 years and realized that I've talked to you before about the difficulty we as independent Baptists have in doing this kind of ministry. And it's an amazing ministry. I mean, here in the United States, can you imagine um, them, the, the authorities here in the United States, bringing a church children to care for, to live with you, to be able to communicate Christ to them? Not interfere with what you're doing. Can you imagine that? We don't have that access here and, and, unless it's through foster care. We've got some amazing foster care, Christian foster care families. Probably have some right here in your church. God bless you for what you're doing. But there are other places in the world where this is actually happening. And Amazing Grace Children's Home is one of those. I mean, they bring the children to us. When I say they... Uh, people ask me all the time, where do you get these kids? They bring them to us. The authorities of all sorts and kinds, from the state, what we would call the welfare system, to police, 
bring them to us, to pastors from other churches. Uh, the list goes on and on. They bring children to us, and we have an opportunity to communicate the love of Jesus Christ as we care for these children. It is a very unique ministry, but it's also, I mean, it, it is a biblical ministry. Once you see it in the Bible, um, I, I had a pastor tell me, he told me multiple times this week, he said, until I started spending time with you, I never saw this in the Bible. And now he says it's in every book. He's reading through the Bible every year. He reads through the Bible and he sees that God is actually very much involved with people who are in poverty in this present world. I mean, one of the first experiences that, that uh, Paul and Barnabas had was not missions. The first experience that we have record of them actually engaging in ministry is not doesn't begin in Acts chapter 13. It actually begins in Acts chapter 11. I mean, in Acts chapter 11, we have, that's where we have the word relief. We actually use the word relief in our current uh, world. When you hear somebody say, saying that they're involved in a relief organization, what do you think? What are they doing when they're involved in relief? Caring for people in, in need. That word actually comes from what the church at Antioch did before they sent Paul and Barnabas as missionaries. They actually sent them on relief to Jerusalem at the end of, of uh, Acts chapter 11. I mean, in, in the very last verse, verse 30, which also they did, this is they sent relief. The word relief appears in verse 29, which is where we get the word as we use it today. Uh, they, the, the church at Antioch sent relief to the brethren who dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Saul, who later became the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul actually had a team of men that traveled with him. I mean, we, we see this in Acts, not in Acts, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, that the Apostle Paul actually had a team that traveled with him. We know there were at least two and very possibly three men at this point that were with his missions team that what they actually did was work with the churches to bring the churches that God had blessed with prosperity to involve them with the churches that God had blessed in poverty. You say, how did he, how did he bless these churches in poverty? Well, it's the very experience that Taryn experienced this week. <clears throat> she went from a church that is blessed with plenty. Are you not blessed with plenty here? If you don't think you are, travel with me for a while, okay? I'm going to be going to uh, Lebanon, God willing, fairly quickly here, and I'm going to be going into India. If you, if, you, if you don't realize how blessed you are at Lakeway Baptist Church right here in, in this humble Atascacita area, just travel with me. You'll come back, and when you get off the plane, if you, you'll want to. You may not do it, but you'll want to kiss the ground that, that when you land here in uh, the Houston International Airport, Bush International Airport. Well, so, but when I, you say, how can you say that these people are blessed? I got to tell you, that you, you travel with us down to Amazing Grace Children's Home, and they are blessed with opportunity that we don't have here, that you don't have. So God actually works this out. There is a balance that takes place between the churches, and it is deliberate, 
God does this deliberate. He prospers some churches so that those churches can then assist the churches that are engaged in amazing opportunity and ministry, but they don't have the resources to do it. It's, it's, it's right here in the scriptures. I mean, Paul actually talks about it. Second Corinthians chapter eight is not talking specifically about tithing, even though it is used as a secondary application. It's actually talking about giving to the poor. Churches like the church at Corinth and other churches that God had blessed with prosperity, those churches then are actually caring for those churches and assisting those churches who are in areas of, of, of uh, either conflict or uh, nature. God has turned nature around so that they're, they are in great need, whether it's a drought or whatever uh, is taking place economically, but they are in, they're being crushed economically, which actually then brings people with need to the Lord. Where, where else to go but to the Lord when you have great need and burden? And so God actually uses these churches to accomplish this. Ebenezer Baptist Church in, uh, right there outside of Mexico City is the church that is being planted right there with the children's home. And we don't go down talking about ourselves. We go down engaging Ebenezer Baptist Church to strengthen their hands to engage in the work there in Mexico. And that's the pattern that we get from the New Testament. That's what the New Testament Christians were doing. And that's what we should be and are doing in this present world right now. I mean, Paul said this, who, again, Paul was very much involved in this. He said in verse 14 of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, but by an equality, that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. Now, we, we think of the word equality, and it's, it's not quite the same in the sense of what Paul is speaking of here. It's an equality in the work of God. It is where everybody has equal participation in the work of the living God. And that's a blessing, to be able to be equal participants in what God is doing on this earth. Then Paul quotes the Old Testament, 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 15, As it is written, he that had gathered much had nothing over, and he that had gathered little had no lack. While, while you have an economic weight being put on what the Apostle Paul is talking about here is because the economics are involved. You're talking about food and clothing and shoes for these people, but you're also talking about the grace and mercy of God being manifested in the lives of these people, which is the very argument that the Apostle Paul used in this very chapter in, in verse 9. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. What he's telling these, these churches, that in this, in this imbalance that God sets into place among the churches, he gives those in abundance the opportunity to live the gospel, and that is to divest themselves so that others might live. And that's what Paul communicates to us here. So we actually, who have abundance, have the greater opportunity to divest ourselves so that others can be blessed of the living God. And we in ourselves experience the very work of Jesus Christ, who divested himself so that we might be rich. So this balance takes place. The privilege is to be involved in it, to actually see what God is doing, to actually touch the people who are involved, 
to put smiles on their faces, to lift their burdens. God actually gives us the opportunity to do that, and it is overwhelming. One of the things I I told Taryn when she was going to stand up here is don't be discouraged by not being able to communicate the fullness of what you've experienced. You can't do it. It's just impossible. And the reason is everybody has to experience this for themselves. The opportunity of lifting somebody up, of bearing their burdens, of caring for their needs, of emptying ourselves so that they can experience the grace of Almighty God. To be involved in such a work of that is indeed the very essence of Christianity. And I I realize that an immediate response is, well, what about the gospel? Obviously, this is why churches are involved, because this balance takes place. When a church is involved, it's different than any other organization on the earth. The church is the body of Jesus Christ on the earth. This church, each church, has been gifted by the Holy Spirit with people to carry out the work of Jesus Christ in this present world. So you have this balance even taking place within a church that you don't have in any other organization in in the world. And that is, on one hand, you're putting, as I mentioned to you before with Muhammad Yamut, you're, you're putting a plate of food in front of this person, but out of your mouth you're saying, this comes from Jesus Christ. And let me tell you about him. Because the, the, the essential purpose of everything the church does, every, everything we do for the, those who are in poverty, everything we do for them is so that they might not be impoverished spiritually, that they might be rich eternally. It is a picture. It is only a type of what Jesus Christ actually does for our soul for all eternity so that we will not be impoverished and in hell for the rest of our existence. We will find in Jesus Christ everlasting life. The privilege is then carrying the whole package, being involved in all of this, which is a balance that comes out of the New Testament, and we have an opportunity to do it. So, and that, that's just a little bit of what we experience. If you want to go with us and put, put uh, hearts and minds and, and the reality of what we're doing into your life, into your spiritual existence and your journey on this earth, we would love for you to go. I mean, just we have 20 kids less than 10, right? We had five two-year-olds in the children's home. Five two-year-olds. And, and you look at these kids and you say, how in the world can this be? But then you see the grace of God in the lives of these children who have been with the children's home, many of them since they were two, and they're young adults now, like, or going into young adulthood. And Emiliano, she mentioned Emiliano, and I'll, I'll, I'll stop with this, just a few of our kids. Emiliano um, came to the children's home out of a, a very horrible situation. God saved him, and he has the aptitude to become an M.D., Not only the aptitude, but he also has the passion to do it. I mean, God has gifted this young man. And we already have a Christian brother here in the United States that they said in a meeting, as Emiliano said, he wants God to do this. He wants to do this for God. God's burden is heart to do this. They said in a meeting, 
a year ago, and he made a commitment to God, and he made a commitment to Brother Rebus that he was going to give his life and not be detoured. He was giving his life to become an MD. This, uh, the doctor that was there with us said, you stay on this path, your path is taken care of. I'm going to take care of your educational expenses all the way through this. And then this year he stands up and he says that God's calling him to use his MD to um, engage in places in the world that are in desperate need and communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. And he mentioned maybe Africa is the place that God wants him to go. So God is working in the lives of these kids, and we're seeing then this turn where they go from deep poverty into the deep riches of Christ, and then they divest themselves again experiencing what Jesus Christ has experienced, and that is giving themselves to him in this present world so that cycle will continue in the lives of other people. It's a blessing to see it. It's a great experience. Can't express it any more than that. Uh, you have to go, and, and again, we would love for you to go. I, I, I love this church. I want to hear him preach 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I, I hope I can get back over here. Some of the, you're just doing this on the evenings, yes. preaching it in the evenings. I'll try to pop in some to hear um, hear Brother Stone preach. First Corinthians chapter 13. What a great experience! I love you, folks. Hope you can go. But I appreciate the support that you've given to uh, Baptist Charities, a ministry out of Rogers Baptist Church, and that you've been so kind to us over these uh, this past time, and also that you're a, a supporter of Amazing Grace Children's Home. This is, this is to your benefit. God has given you this opportunity, and I'm glad you're a part of it. And I appreciate Taryn going, and I hope some of the rest of you will go with us. Thank you, brother. And I didn't preach an hour. I want you to note that I did not do that. As I was sitting there, I, the wheel started turning, and uh, and I really believe that here in the last few years we've started seeing something that's uh, fairly new for us: independent, unaffiliated Baptist. We we've always stressed strongly the importance of believing the right things. And I don't want to distract from that because it is extremely important that we be well grounded in the fundamentals of the faith. There's no substitute for that. But by the same token, as I look back over the years and I think about when I started preaching, I started in in a rescue mission. It's, I mean, I don't have been saved two months, believe it or not. I'd never been to Bible college. I, 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 I didn't know hardly anything about the Bible. And all I knew was is I, I knew that I trusted Christ as my Savior. I knew I was going to heaven. I knew, I knew how I got to that place through trusting Christ. And I wanted everybody to know about it. And as soon as I surrendered to preach, uh, my pastor said, because I sure didn't have any churches knocking on my door saying would you come and preach for us because uh, you know I I wasn't fit to preach anywhere but he said uh, 
the whole time needing someone down to rescue mission. Would you want to go down there? And I said, sure. I, I had no idea what I was getting into. But what an experience that was to go down there and to see those that had uh, not just fallen on hard times, but those whose lives had ended up in the gutter. And some of those men had been very successful businessmen, doctors, lawyers, things of that nature, because of alcohol mainly, but alcohol and drugs and so forth, their life was just absolutely ruined. And, uh, and the policy was you, you come down and uh, you, you eat if you stay and listen to the preaching. And if, you, if you're not here for the preaching, well, you're, you're, you, you, don't, you don't eat. That, we you know, served at a certain time and... And so I got up and did the best I could, to, you know, to preach and to share with them what I knew, which wasn't very much. It wasn't very much, but it was very important because it was the gospel. That's all I knew then. So, I, but I, I, I couldn't have given them any more important information than that. Over the years, some way or another, it got to the point that all of a sudden uh, I started getting invitations from churches and started pastoring the church in just a short while. And uh, one, one preacher that uh, Brother Larry and I and all of you would know, in fact, asked me several years ago, he said, Brother Stone, how do, how, do you, how do you preach so many revival meetings? He said, do you think maybe I ought to just prepare a letter and send it out, letting them know I'm available? What, what do you do? And I said, I didn't do anything. I, I just waited for the phone to ring. The phone rang, and they said, hey, you want to preach a revival meeting? I said, sure, where, what time? And, and of course, back then, I was dumb enough to believe that every invitation was, a, you know, a that God had to be in it until until I got two invitations for the same week, and I thought, oh, wait a minute, God couldn't want me to be in both places at the same time, and uh, I'm saying all of that for a reason. All during all during those years, I I had the impression, and it seemed like every preacher I knew, we had the impression the most important thing you know that we could do is have a revival, get the churches fired up. Let's you know, let's let's get going. And I've got to tell you, there was zero interest in getting out here and actually meeting the physical, material needs of people. I'm so glad that God laid this on Brother Larry's heart, and I'm going to tell you right now. And he he's mentioned this a little bit, but I'm sure he could elaborate a lot more. This is not met favorably with. With a lot of preachers, they're just, you know, they're just not into this right now. And it's like the preacher said, you know, I never noticed how much of that is in the Bible, you know, that God really expects us to do stuff like that. So I, I, I'm, I'm saying all of that to say this. We need to keep that in mind when we think about reaching the people here in our community because there's always opportunity to help people in need. I think we ought to be wise about who we help, by the way. That's why I don't give to every panhandler that comes along or anything like that. But I'll guarantee you won't have to look very far to find somebody, somebody, it might be your neighbor, classmate, co-worker, but you can find somebody in need of help. And if you will help them in Jesus' name, you go to them and let the Lord use you as a vessel 
you you'll be amazed. It goes back to that old saying: people don't know how, don't care how much you know; they know how much you care. And whenever they're convinced that you really do care about them, then they'll listen to what you have to say. Thank you, Taryn, and thank you, Brother Larry. Thank you, Carol, for being here, and this other dear couple that's with them tonight. Thank you all for all that you do. 